Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Thursday afternoon just before Friday, Monday morning podcast, and I'm just checking in on you. Hey, Bill, how come you didn't do the big, long, stupid yell? Uh, because I'm doing two shows, two, shows, two shows a night for the next uh, for eight days. So for all you guys who went to public school like me, that's 16 shows. 16 hours of comedy there. So I'm trying to preserve my voice. Because I want my shit jokes to be pristine in the great state of Texas. Um, I'm having a great time out here. As much fun as you can have during a fucking pandemic. (laughs) I did some cool shit. I landed at Love Field for the first time. I always wanted to land there. I always landed the the bigger one. But I wanted to go through the airport. But, um, you know, I didn't fly commercial because I got kids and I got a gig I have to do so which is fucking hilarious which means like half my money just went out the fucking window but it is what it is during a pandemic so we actually didn't go through the airport we landed on the other side so that is the famous airport where uh, JFK landed when the unfortunate shit happened to him that's kind of an understatement he kind of had some unfortunate shit happen to him Um, you know my buddy was just telling me that one of the Kennedys retweeted something about the CIA taking out JFK. I mean, it's that always made the most sense to me. You know, it couldn't have been the mob because then they would actually be bigger than the government, right? And it couldn't have been that, I, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, also, I'm the patsy. I just, I believe that when he said it, I mean, that's just me, okay? And I'm also, you know, a conspiracy theorist type of person. I think everybody's full of shit. You know, everything's a fucking conspiracy. Just watching this Donald Trump bullshit as he's, he's raising all this money. He's done. He fucking lost. I'm not saying he really lost. I'll go with you if they just go like, all right, well, they fucking slid some over to Joe Biden. Um, I would believe that in a second just for the simple fact that, you know, people are trying to make money. Okay? And you can't make money when you have no fucking idea what the president is going gonna, is gonna to do. Nobody knows what the fuck he's going to do. He's, he's like, he's going Bill Belichick on us. What the fuck is this guy doing out here? Um, so they want, they want a nice, predictable warmonger um, with a face like Jerry Jones. <laughs> but as far as that little jackass with his fucking rifle, I just don't, I don't buy it. Magic bullet and all of that shit, I don't buy it. I think... Um, I think uh, this is my bullshit theory. I just think JFK was not, you know, given the big boys what they needed so they could go out and make their money. So back in the day, it got messy. Nowadays, they can just take you out on social media. They'll just fucking Photoshop some shit, you know, say that you did something with the Russians, you know, they'll just fucking come up with some shit. They'll cut and paste it together, whatever. You're not from this country, whatever the fuck they need to do. You weren't born here. They'll just come up with some bullshit and they'll get you the fuck out of there. They don't, they don't need to whack you anymore. It doesn't need to be messy. Plus, you know, the reality is because convertibles are kind of like, you know, it's kind of a chick car now. Can't have a president in a convertible. Hi. Did you guys see the Real Housewives last night? But what about the first lady president? And he could stick her in a convertible, you know? And feminists would all get mad. How come they get a 
why do they have a, you know, no, they actually go the other way and be like, you know, see, this is just, this is, this convertible top is just the essence of a woman open emotionally where, where the men ride in a hard top, just walling off their feelings. It's a phallic symbol. I always love that. The, the skyscrapers and rockets and shit are all phallic symbols. And it's kind of like, well, you know, there's some architecture and design aerodynamics in there. But if you want to say it looks like a giant dick, you fucking whore, I'll go with it. Um, <laughs> why couldn't we flip it around and say you got penis envy? There's so much of that feminist shit that's just hilarious to me, like, or, or just female arguments where they go, oh, it's a double standard. If a guy does it, he's a stud. If a woman does it, she's a whore. Well, first of all, men have to talk women into bed. Well, women can just show up with their titties out and they can get some dick. I mean, that's kind of how it is, right? Don't want to be crass, but I just was. And there's also other double standards that level it off. If a guy fucks around, he's a dog. He's a piece of shit. It's his fault. If a woman fucks around, it's the guy's fault. He wasn't giving her what she needed emotionally. So there's, there's double standards that work out for you. Hey, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to start a fight here between the men and the women. All right, I want gay people to argue. So here's no I'm kidding. All right, um, I watched some. Uh, I mean, I just basically, I just, I have haven't done shit. I essentially, I go to the venue, I do my shows, and then I come back to the hotel, and I study my French. And I've been watching, speaking of French, I watched a movie on uh, Netflix called Lost Bullet, which I really, really, really enjoyed. And um, I got to be honest with you, I'm getting pretty good about reading French, even though it's flying by. But I got to tell you, as far as trying to understand when those people are talking, holy shit. I mean, it is like a hundred times faster than I can kind of keep up. But uh, I've been sticking with it. I did duo. I've done Duolingo for 141 days in a row, and then I got this really great app. Um, what the fuck is it called here? Pimsleur. P i m s l e u r. And um, I don't know. I just been doing this shit. We'll see if I stick with it. I always start to do it, and then I never do. But I think this one, this time, it's gonna stick because. It's kind of, I, I follow some, now I just follow random people on Twitter and Instagram just because they're French. Like I just sort of wrote some French shit just to see what accounts would come up and I just followed anybody just because I want to be reading it and now I'm starting to watch like French movies. I'm trying to immerse myself into the language because I think it would be fucking hilarious to go to Paris one day and act like an ignorant American and, and actually be able to understand what people are saying. Or maybe you don't even do anything. And they just look at you, your face and just go, you know, this stupid American or whatever the fuck they would say. American. Unless it's a woman. American. Je suis Francais. Mon, uh, my wife would be uh, Francaise. Madame. All right. Um, moving, plowing ahead here. Um, yeah, so I watched that movie Lost Bullet. And then I'm also really big on renting movies on YouTube. They got a lot of good fucking movies on there. Um, I kind of I'm trying to find some obscure like um, early '70s movies that are good. You know, like the Friends of uh, whatever the fuck that movie was that I watched that I loved. Eddie Coyle. 
unbelievable movie. Um, and then I saw, uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I just watched a couple of car movies. I literally watched a movie called The Car with James Brolin, um, Josh Brolin's dad, I believe, uh, Ronnie Cox, who played Bogomil in um, the Beverly Hills Cop series. Uh, I just watched that movie, you know. <laughs> it's just interesting. The uh, I got to post one of the lines. I'll, I'll post the clip. It's basically a car that's going around killing people in this small town. And it kills, you know, it kills so many fucking people. You'd think that they would get, you know, they would turn to like the feds or maybe try to get the army to come in there to stop this fucking car. But they don't. These uh, cops in the middle of nowhere, they just try and stop this goddamn car. And uh, (laughs) they get mad at the car and all these people are yelling at it. For whatever reason, out of nowhere, this chick just yells out as the car's driving away. She just yells out, cat poo. (laughs) And I would put that line right up there with one of my favorite bad lines in a script that an actor just gave gave it their all is uh, a great movie uh, called Over the Edge. I've talked about this before. The kids take over the school. They lock the parents in like the uh, the little auditorium and they start trashing the school and the local cops trying to get, you know, they pulled the gates, locked them and they're trying to get out of there, you know, and the kids are vandalizing the school, right? I, I bet if I watched it now, now that I'm older, I'd be like, these goddamn punk kids, these parents need to get them in order. But when I was a kid, I liked it. Like, yeah, man, trash the school, fucking trying to teach us for free. Um, this woman grabs a giant globe, and as she's running past the auditorium, the cop's on the other side of the gate, and she stops, and she looks at him, and she's holding the globe, and she just goes, eat it, you stinking pig. I don't know what that means other than they were trying to stay with the PG rating. Um, But whatever, I'm making fun of that movie a little bit. I will tell you, uh, if anybody can find out where that shot, because there's an opening scene where there two people are riding a bicycle through this, this, um, this tunnel and like, uh, looks like this Southwest of this country. It's fucking gorgeous. Um, and then, of course, some fucking shit happens after that. But it's it's a cool movie, man. If you're just in, like, a silly mood, you want to watch something. Then it's also cool seeing Josh Brolin's dad. Josh Brolin's one of the coolest fucking actors ever. And you see his dad, you're like, ah, that's where he got it. That's where he got that swagger. Um, and also, what I can't understand is whenever they do a movie about the 70s, like now, they never can do the hair right. Like, if you look at, like, James Brolin's hair with the stash, it's like, that's the dude. That's the fucking Marlboro man. That's the guy everybody wanted to be in the 70s, and that's the fucking haircut. That's what you wanted to look like. It's right there on film. I know maybe when people get cast, they don't have time to grow it out, but it always just looks like they're wearing stupid wigs. Um, but anyway, some cool cars in there, some Plymouth Furies. Uh, motorcycles and shit, 10-speed bikes from back in the day. I am a ch- really am a child of the 70s, and then my music is from the 80s. And um, 
I've just been having a great time. There's a couple of uh, Burt Reynolds movies I want to check out, too. So that's what I've been doing on the road. Good, clean, fun. Um, we also got some f- the best fucking barbecue I think I've ever had. Um, let me get you the name of this place. I think it's called the Pecan Lodge here in um, Dallas, Texas. Whole, the best fucking brisket I ever had. And, like, they ordered that shit. Got it for me, and I ate it like an hour later, and it, you know, because I was doing the show, and it was still unbelievable. I believe it's the Pecan Lodge. I believe it's the Pecan Lodge. Yes, um, you got to have the brisket. Holy fucking shit! It's not like that thin cut. It's like a thick cut, almost like a small steak, and it was just the juiciest brisket. You know, because sometimes you know. Barbecue, the thing about barbecue is, as far as my limited knowledge, is a lot of times it's not a good cut of meat. That's why they cooked it low and slow. And then they would put like that sauce on it to try to give it some flavor. So if people don't know what they're doing, like we had this other barbecue last night and it did not travel well. I'm not going to trash the place to say the name of it because that's not fair. I think you got to go there and sit down. But um, the Pecan Lodge, holy shit. If you ever come to Dallas, that's the way to go. Oh, and Love Field, too, as people will tell me, has a little aviation museum. I don't know if I'm going to have time to go over there. Um, i kind of just been chilling here, you know, watching movies. They got, you know, going to the gym, making sure there's nobody down there. Um, my shoulders are feeling good, man. I actually worked out uh, yesterday, did like super light weights and stuff. But it just felt good to get that pump going again, you know? Made me want to go back to the 80s and put on my spandex and only do my chest and my buys. No legs. Pencil legs overdeveloped up top, right? Walking around looking like you're on stilts. Um, oh, fuck. Who's playing football tonight? Thursday night football. It comes right up. Who do we got tonight? No Thursday night football NFL game for week 13. Here's why. Dude, when JFK got assassinated, they still had the football. All right. NFL week 12 overreactions. This will not be Mahomes and the Chiefs' last trip to Tampa this season. That's an overreaction is what they're saying. Wait, the Baltimore Ravens were supposed to have a full week of preparation following their Thanksgiving Day matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Six-time Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers before kicking off NFL week 13 tonight against the five-time Super Bowl champion, the Dallas Cowboys. When the hell was this written? December 3rd. Okay. Um, However, due to a coronavirus outbreak that forced the league to postpone their game against the Steelers until Wednesday, which the Steelers won 19-14, the Ravens will have a game moved for a second consecutive week. Instead of playing the Cowboys at home tonight, the game has been pushed to 8 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday with Fox's Thursday night football broadcast team, Joe Buck, um, the voice of Lou Gagliardi on F is for Family, and Troy Aikman on the call. Um, that's cool, man. By the way, speaking of F is for Family, we just did the final table read for F is for Family, episode 44. I cannot tell you how much fun I had doing that show writing those characters and all the voiceover actors that um, I re- I learned so much about acting. I learned how to write a script. I met some of the best friends 
I've met in my life and in this business. And I plan to stay in touch with everybody. I mean, it's not over yet. We still have to edit, do all that stuff for a year, for the next year. It doesn't come out. I don't know when. It comes out sometime next year. Um, but I want to thank everybody who's watched the show. I think season five is going to be our best season. We're going out with a bang. I'm really sad, really legit sad that it's over. But I will tell you this, uh, what I am so proud of is that it's not going to have like a dip, um, which is the number one thing you want is you want to leave them wanting more. And uh, I hope you guys feel the same way about the show, but I want to thank everybody, the great Mike Price, everybody over there, Peter Billingsley, Vince Vaughn, all the Vaughns over there, Victoria, Valerie. Now I'm going to have to name everybody and I'm going to forget. I'm One of these days, I'm going to, like next year when we go to do this, I'm going to have, uh, I'll have the list of everybody and it's going to be like an Oscar speech because there's so many people I have to thank. Um, it was an incredible ride. Thank you to Netflix and Gomont and everybody. It was just been just amazing to be able to get to do a show like that which was not even on the radar when I started in this business um you know that you could do a show like that the only place you could do it you know it's funny and I used to go to it they used to have these I don't know they probably still do it but they used to have this film festival called film festival called sick and twisted animation it's the first place I saw Beavis and Beavis and Butthead um and a couple and just they were playing frog baseball, I think was, I don't know, it was so long ago. Christ, it was almost 30 years ago. And I saw it in, in uh, Boston. I went in there. It was really cool because it was like I had grown up in such like a jock town, which was awesome because I love sports. And uh, my town was big. Probably hockey was the biggest thing, football and hockey. And um, and I loved, you know, playing both those sports didn't really play him organized, just sort of playing with, with my friends. But, um, and then to move on and to get into like stand up and stuff, and then meet all these artists who were into movies and shit. And I think it was one of them that told me about that animation festival. So I started seeing like independent films and all of that. It was a really fun time in my life. And I believe I went to all of that shit by myself because I was such a fucking lunatic. Um, I wasn't a lunatic. I'd gone through some shit and I just liked being alone because, you know, it was peaceful. <laughs> if that makes any sense. So anyways, we got, uh, we've done six shows here and, um, I kind of blew up my voice a little bit because, uh, unfortunately there's a little bit, of, a little bit of traffic noise, you know, we're in the middle of these skyscrapers. It's a fucking killer venue though. I'd love to see a band there. But like, um, been having a little. I had a little trouble hearing myself, and I made the mistake of like talking louder. And I kind of figured that out at the at you know, I started asking the crowd, "You guys having a good time?" And just their reaction, I'm like, "Okay, Bill, they can hear you. You just can't hear them because the laughs are kind of going up into the air as far as where we're at." So um, last night, I kind of just adjusted the way I was talking, and I think I actually had better shows last night. Um, but I've been having so much fun, and I want to thank everybody who's been coming out to the show. So um, tonight, after I do two shows, I will be at the halfway point. I wasn't even thinking when my agent was booking these. I was just so goddamn excited to come out here and do stand-up because, you know, I miss it, you know? And I'm just like, I'd gotten past all the... Um, 
the big work I had this year, you know, getting through that gig in New York, the, the, the pressure of that and getting through, uh, had to write an episode of Ephesus for Family, getting through that. I'm kind of on the other side of everything. And um, so my agent was booking this tour and I just kept adding days and adding shows. And this is taking me back. I remember I, I did a run of shows at the Wilbur Theater in Boston, like 19 shows, I think it was. And I remember I blew my voice out on the third show. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I was doing two shows a night. And uh, except one night I only did one because Wanda Sykes was doing the early one, I want to say. I think she did the early one on a Saturday night, right? So I um, I remember I was so tired and my voice was so shot. I was doing this bit about a plane crash and the bodies hanging from the trees. <laughs> I know it sounds fucked up. Whatever. So I was like just bent over at the waist, almost like that yoga pose, right? Where you just sort of grab your elbows, bend over the waist, stretching your hammies. And I remember I would I'd do that bit. I was imitating the body hanging from like a tree branch. I can't remember what the joke was, right? <laughs> so that in that um, every show, that joke, while the crowd was laughing and I was hanging like that, that was for me. That was my little break in the show where I would just be laying there. I would be, you know, act like I was dangling from a tree. It was a nice stretch for the hammies. And I would always hold it for an extra second or two and be like, ah, little eye of the storm before I go back into this shit and try to get through this. And, um, that would, but it was fun though. It was fun. And it's amazing that people still come out to see me. So I'm psyched for all of that. Uh, the only thing that does stink is I really miss my wife and my kids. But thank God for FaceTime and all of that. Um, you know, I've been talking to my son and his face lights up when he sees me and he hears my voice. And I still, you know, I was really sad because I've seen him every single day of his very young life. And these were the first days I wasn't going to be there with him, hug him and kiss him and trying to make him laugh and all of that stuff. But uh, what's been cool is I've kept my streak. I've made him smile. Since he's been smiling, I've made him smile every every single day. So I'm very proud of that. And um, I don't know. that I was telling you that Wolfgang uh, Van Halen song, which, by the way, he's got another one, man. I posted it on my Instagram stories, dude. It's fucking the riff is killer. Fucking killer. And I, I thought it was like, – I thought the song was in seven, but um, – it's funny, I, I gave it to my drum teacher. I go, I'm going to figure out this time signature. And he's like, all right. And I was like, uh, is it in seven? And he goes, don't overthink it. And then I just wrote, that means it's in four, LOL. <laughs> so it was. Um, but anyway, I got so much out of that video that he posted, you know, through the years, showing him growing up with uh, how great his dad, Eddie, was. And in the end, that voice message, I swear to God, I was like, dude, that is the goal right there. You know, if, if you're a new dad or if you're just a dad, I highly recommend watching that video and seeing how it's done. And also just, it was so, such a great video too, to see this other side of this guy that I just knew was a guitar god to be like, wow, man, this guy understood music, guitar, piano, you know, just understood he understood being a dad at like the same level 
which is crazy. So it makes me enjoy his music even more. Then I'm also psyched uh, some of the stuff I'm listening from Wolfgang. He doesn't sound anything like his dad, which is an, an incredible accomplishment. He doesn't sound anything like his dad. And from what I'm hearing, his music is the shit. So I'm kind of excited. I think he's got an album coming out or something. So I'll be definitely downloading, downloading that. Um, all right, I got to do some advertising. When I, after the advertising, I'm going to talk to you about my ultimate car collection, which is really just a bunch of trucks because I am a truck guy. <laughs> it's what I've realized over the years. And, uh, and if you're a truck guy, you want to be in fucking Texas because everybody has one. Um, which is really cool to me. All right, Zendesk, everybody. Um, customer service is everywhere. Buying stuff online, calling your bank, using an app to get a ride to the airport, but even great teams sometimes struggle to make their customers feel taken care of. Zendesk's, I almost said it, Zendesky. Zendesk's award-winning support, sales and customer engagement software helps businesses offer personal service at scale. So your team can, can, create, can create conversational experiences that keep customers happy. Zendesk gives businesses everything they need to stay connected with customers. This is perfect for during a pandemic. You want people relaxed. When they're relaxed, they spend a little money there. Uh, communicate seamlessly across all channels, email, phone, chat, messenger, community, forum, uh, help center, or social media. Zendesk calls, Zendesk calls that a conversational Experience. Oh, Zendesk calls that a conversational experience. Connected, ongoing, and natural customer interactions. All made possible with Zendesk's complete customer profile and unified set of tools that give you the context you need to deliver great service in every conversation. Most support software requires expensive consultants and months of setup. But with Zendesk, it takes just hours. To get up and running, on top of being quick to implement Zendesk software, easily scales to meet uh, changing needs. Zendesk uh, gives organizations the flexibility to move quickly, focus on innovation, and adapt to growth. Zendesk, and with over 150,000 paid customer accounts and over a decade of experience, they've gotten pretty good at customer service themselves. Zendesk, uh, see for yourself why the best customers... Customers' experience are built with Zendesk. Uh, get started at Zendesk.com slash Burr. That's Z, uh, Zebra, Echo, November, Desk.com slash Burr. All right. Even yelling that Zendesk tweaked my voice a little. I got I to bring it down here. Um, all right. Stamps.com, everybody. They've been with this forever. Oh, Jesus. Um... Stamps.com. This holiday season, dooby-dooby-doo, more people will be mailing stuff than ever before. That means the post office is going to be busy. You don't have time for that shit. Stamps.com brings the post office and now UPS shipping right to your computer. Mail and ship anything uh, from the convenience of your home or office with Stamps.com. This would be, this would be a great pairing with Zendesk. Uh, mail and ship anything with, from the convenience of your home or office with stamps.com. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do with just a few clicks. Plus stamps.com saves you money and deep with deep discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Sorry. Um, 
You've heard me talk about Stamps.com. They've been supporting this show for over seven years now. And if you haven't tried it, what are you waiting for? Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Post Office and UPS right to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller fulfilling orders during the record-setting holiday season, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get $0.05 off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off with priority mail, mail, and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 900,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. They're almost up to a million businesses, people. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Sign up for Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With my promo code BURR, B-U-R-R, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. Um, No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BURR. That's Stamps.com. Enter BURR. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Oh, look who it is here. We got one last one last one here. It's Hims. Hang on a second. Club Soda Kenny wants to know what time I want to go to breakfast. Uh, come on. Come on. What is it? Why? Sometimes your phone just won't fucking turn. Okay. There we go. All right. Oh, everybody. It's Hims. You know, men have tried all kinds of odd, unusual solutions to treat erectile dysfunction. Um, snake oil pills, herbs, hypnotism. Mm, your dick is coming up. Hims uh, offers solutions grounded in real medical science. For Hims is all about men's wellness. Need help with erectile dysfunction, hair loss, hey, or have a cold? Uh, interested in mental health or COVID-19 home tests? Hims is here for you. Through Hims, you can get the prescription medication that treats erectile dysfunction. Real science, real solution to erectile dysfunction. Hims uh, makes it easy for Hims connects you with a licensed medical professional online who can prescribe FDA-approved prescription medical medication. Sorry to treat what? Say it with me: erectile dysfunction. You get the same active ingredient as that expensive little pill, but without the expensive price tag. Oh, they got the bootleg shit over it for hymns. Uh, this could cost hundreds of bucks if you had to go through a doctor or a pharmacy. Not so with hymns. Hymns makes it simple and affordable. No embarrassing conversation. I, my dick doesn't work. <laughs> uh, no expensive appointments. Uh, just answer a few questions on, sir, your doctor's ready to see you for your erectile dysfunction. Something they would yell in a fucking waiting room. Um, just answer a few questions online about your medical history, and a provider will confidently confidently review. Uh, if approved, your, medi- your medication is shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging, and shipping is free. No more searching online for answers to que- for questions about erectile dysfunction or sexual wellness. Just go to Fahim's account and ask a medical professional you can trust. Why live with erectile dysfunction? When the solution can be so simple, 
Try Hymns today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to forhims.com slash bird, B-U-R-R-E-D, for your free gift. That's forhims.com slash bird, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash B-U-R-R-E-D. Here's a disclaimer. Prescription products are subject... Oh, I got to read this fast. Prescription products are subject to medical provider approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. Remember, that's for hymns.com slash bird, B-U-R-R-E-D. All right. Let's talk about my woo-woo dream garage. Why don't you guys start sending in your dream garages? All right. What you would have. Um, let's see here. What would you have in your dream garage? Or you, and also, of course, your five, if you work with the public, public, the five dumbest questions people have asked you. I'm trying to think if people have asked me five dumb questions about stand-up comedy. People usually ask really good questions. Um, all right. Here's my five, and then I'm going to breakfast here. Uh, I would have... What I already have, a 68 Ford F100 short bed, three on the tree. I love that truck. I smile every time I see it, every time I get in it, the sound of the door closing, starting it up. I absolutely love it, all right? Then, as mentioned, I would have a two-tone 1986 full-size Ford Bronco XLT Lariat. I wouldn't get the Eddie Bauer because they always just do the green with the tan top, which I respect, but I like the blue and white one. Then I would get a 67 Cadillac Eldorado in that that fucking, whatever they call it, the uh, something mist. I forget what it is. It looks almost like an overcast sky. It's fucking gorgeous. And then the latest one that I'm adding is I get a 1983 Ford F-150 4x4 short bed, um, some sort of two-tone. I'll post that video to us. This guy fucking redid one, or lady, I don't know who did it. It Absolutely beautiful. He had it, it was uh, that Ford Wimbledon white, and then he had like a little bit of black trim. And I just love the front end on those Ford trucks from 80 to 86. That was the first truck that I truly fell in love with, other than when I was a little kid, when uh, the milkman, that's how old I am, there was a milkman, there was a man, and he delivered milk, and he was called the milkman. There was the milkman. There was the diaper man. You know, it's all changed now. Now, you know, they always they, they now they have like I don't know what the fuck they have the fucking heating lamp guy. Um, and he used to come in in this old milk truck, and it had the same front end. It was a Ford. It had the same front end as my F one hundred that I have. Um, that's it. That's my little dream garage. That uh, oh, and then I also got to tell you, I would also like. 80 to 86, full size, um, the full bed F-250 in green. When I was a kid, there was a, uh, somebody at high school used to drive his fucking dad's F-250 every once in a while. He would drive it to school. I remember one day he came to school after he'd gone mudding, and the truck was all muddy except for the windshield where the wipers were, and I thought it was the coolest fucking thing I'd ever seen. And for whatever reason, I never forgot that, and I've loved Ford trucks ever since then. All right. That's it. That's my dream garage. And, you know, it's a little bit different. Oh, you know what else I would have? I'd have a Harley. Um, Not the Road King, the one that doesn't have the bags on the side with white wall tires in black. That would be it. Oh, and a Ducati. See, it never ends. It never fucking ends. All right, that's it. That's my, my two motorcycles. 
Um, and I would have sort of the, I wouldn't have that one that when people, you know, try to ride a motorcycle around the world, I wouldn't have that big one where you're way up high. I'd have whatever the one that's sort of the cruising one where I wouldn't fly off the back. <laughs> All right, that's it. Uh, have a great weekend, you cunts, and I'll talk to you on Monday. And it's the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, December 3rd, 2012. And uh, how are you? This is going to be, as promised last week and promised all over Twitter, that I would have a special guest this week, stand-up and Rose Bowl legend, the one and only, the guy whose name I would never mention on the podcast after our first experience at the Rose Bowl. And here he is. The statue of limitations have run out. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Bartnick. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Bill. Uh, <laughs> sitting there holding that coffin. Uh, well, I know. I should have coughed into the this – is, uh, this is fun, uh, finally. Absolutely. A- after all the uh, Rose Bowls. And, uh, dude, the Rose Bowls – I mean, you've given me probably the two greatest thrills of my adult life. One, obviously setting me up in the, my first six seconds on the ice with a goal. Or setting up the oh, experience, oh, yeah. and then then the Rose. Oh yeah, when we were playing pickup hockey, <laughs> yeah. pickup hockey, and you gliding around there like the great white shark. I got you out in front. I, I mean, to, to step on the ice, tap my stick. Rocky Latour <laughs> hits me in the slot. I go top <laughs> shelf. I should have just quit then. Why I end up? You, why I spent five hundred bucks on the equipment and only played once? At, well, I played like ten times with like no pads. Ian right. Bag finally gave me a helmet. Then I bought all the stuff. I played once after that, but it was you amazing. were getting scary. Joe, Joe's like me. He's one of those guys who's watched hockey for a good thirty-five years but never played. We just didn't come from hockey family, so we both figured we'd take up the game in our forties. And we, we both looked like make-a-wish kids when we were out there. Dude, the, the look on your face when you scored, you scored the goal and you just put your arms up and you just left them up and you, sat, you had this big grin on your face. And I saw it in your eyes. You're like, this is what it feels like. <laughs> this, you would have thought you scored one at the NHL level as opposed to – I, I felt like it was NHL level because I'll tell you, I was scared when I first got there. If you, any of you guys know Ian Bag, he's like 6'5". He's big. He's on skates. I'm like, what From the- Canada. And that he, he can fuck it. Like I heard he skated with – with the Canucks and they, he did. They he were... played junior hockey. Yeah. So I'm walking into the rink with just literally like my street hockey stick and those then the rented skates. Yeah. Am I ready? And and I walked in and I see him skating around. I didn't recognize him. I'm like, holy shit! What did I get into? Yeah. And then to step and to do that, and I scored another one real quick. So I'm like, I'm looking for the I'm looking for the natural hat trick, the pure in, hat trick in ten seconds. And after that, then bag because it's a no hit league unless you can't stop right. uh like me <laughs> uh so the bag's like you're not you're not getting a hat trick and then because i love bag and he loves me he just started cross-checking me in the crease and then that was i never got i don't think i touched another puck but uh like i said that's back when that that pickup game is still fun but that was that was hilarious it was like the bad news bears it was like everybody out there was a different level 
So you could tell like how good somebody was by how much equipment they had and how <laughs> new or how old it was. You went out there. You had that fucking Pittsburgh Penguins with no shield mask. That's all I remember. And you kept playing, dude, and you were getting scary because you're like fucking Cam Neely's size. So that's what everybody was kind of saying was like, if that fucking guy ever learns how to skate <laughs> and doesn't learn how to stop like he can't, someone's going to get fucking killed. Well, that's why I quit playing roller hockey. I played roller hockey in San Francisco for a season and like ten, like eighth game in. I couldn't stop on roller skates either. And I just absolutely buried some kid about your size, but not really athletic like you. No, the, you didn't have to make and, it nice. Yeah, my size. No, 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 no. Like you're you're like, you know, you've been climbing your rope and stuff. I mean you're 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 not like this was a little kid. I'm trying to be actor in shape. <laughs> and I just I buried him like when Kevin Stevens had to buy a new face after the Islanders. Like that's oh, how man. hard I buried him. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not here to hurt people purposely. Yeah. I mean it's it's time to give that you got, up. you got a good heart. I do have I do have a good heart. I really you, do. You're one of those guys. If you played in the NHL, you'd be that guy. You'd fucking knock the dude down, and the dude's laying on the ice. You'd cock the arm back, and then you'd be like, no, no, that's enough. He's had yeah. enough. And, and, I, and I, I would have a good dance, though, after I won the fight. I, I'd do a nice <laughs> Hogan. <laughs> I'm sure I'd have one of those where I would have been in the stands once. Well, you know, I was, everyone has a good, like, uh, either Junior A or in Europe. Some... Every good goon has been in the stands once. <laughs> <laughs> like someone would say something about Malkin in like you know some some mafia heroin den in the you know uh, Magnitogorsk, right. and I'd be up there swinging away, protecting his mom's honor or no, something he, like that. You know? Did you, you got, uh, have, have you watched? Uh, the fuck was I just thinking? My, I have like ADD. You just brought up something. Oh, I know. For fans, you know, because you know hockey's like the rogue sport for fans. Uh, who don't know what Joe's talking about? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a link up to that that classic one where the Bruins went up into the stands at the uh, Madison Square Garden and Mike Milbury, who now does like commentating right. wearing a suit. You actually watch him; he takes this guy's <laughs> loafer off. Loafers were big in the uh, the '70s. Speaking of which, you actually still have them because you're old school. He took them off. He never hit the guy. He cocked it back. He was gonna hit him with the heel of it, and it was. Uh, it's ins- it's just something that can't be described. So you have to you got to see it. These these loafers are my guilty pleasure, and everybody remarks on them now because I've passed into the age where now I wear loafers and don't give a fuck. Like oh, yeah. I, I I went to Ross to buy some. I always buy my tennis shoes at Ross because why not buy Air Jordans that were 140 for 29 right. bucks? Like I'm I don't need the. Well, don't all ones. like giant guys like you go to those kinds of places? Like when I go to like like Ross, uh, what uh, for people on the East Coast? What is it, Ross? Uh, Dress for less. Shit for less, whatever the fuck yeah. they call it. You walk in there, they actually have shack sized shoes in there for that six foot eight guy who couldn't dunk. Yeah, and like neon green and purple. Yeah. They're all, all the craziest <laughs> shoes. It's always yeah, like that hiking. bag of shit you get when your house gets flooded. You get like those fucking giant sneakers that are like neon green. Yeah, absolutely. So, dude, I got to tell you, speaking of the fucking Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, I, got, uh, I went out and I got the tickets. You know, every year that's my job. I go out, I get the tickets, and then I, I rent the fucking four-door fucking Dodge Ram pickup to drive over there, dude. And I'm actually uh, – I've just completely checked out of Christmas shopping and all that other shit. All I'm doing is thinking about that. What do you think about fucking Wisconsin's in it again? Uh, yeah, you know, we could have – we could have. it's going to be an ugly game. <laughs> it's going to be ugly in the parking lot. No, I mean, there's some nice Wisconsin people. I wish I, – Nebraska, I like them Cornhusker girls. You've ever played in Nebraska? Nebraska's well, face. Lawhead said, like, he, he was rooting for Nebraska yesterday because he said, we, so we can look at different fat chicks this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but ne- ne- Nebraska's are a little bit, they're, like, younger, a little healthier. Like, they're, they're kind of like this, like the Playboy Centerfold kind of chicks. 
the, the Nebraska oh, Cornhusker girls. Well, yeah. you know something. A lot of time uh, when they get them, they get them from that sort of the uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Right. The bigger loss though was UCLA. Because Stanford has nice-looking girls, but they're really smart. They're not the type of girls that like, hey, let's get our, let's take our tops off at eight a.m. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, that's that the UCLA last, yeah, girls. Last year, that girl last year with the the fucking uh, what was it, tequila with the pickle juice? The dirty drink? Mexican. Oh my god, is that what they call that drink? They did. Yes, they did. Oh yeah, oh, the dirty Sanchez. Dirty, dirty Sanchez. San- I actually go. walked around with pickle <laughs> dirty ju- Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> the leaf blower. That's yeah, what they call that they call drink. It the leaf blower. There you go. Uh, we actually walked. I actually went to like five different people's houses with tequila and pickle juice, trying to explain to them, and everybody thought I was uh, like, "You've lost your mind, Bartnick." I'm like, "Yeah." Try I mean, it. obviously, I did 30 years ago. Right. But here's the. This is great pickle juice. It's it's cost effective, everybody, if you're saving money over the holidays, because you can get the most rot gut tequila in the world. It tastes good if you chug pickle juice with Afterwards, it. if you chase it with – because I hate, I hate tequila, dude. That's always – not like I ever drank antifreeze, but if I ever did, I always <laughs> – it tastes like some sort of cleaner. It's really fucking – and there's the amount of people, too, who really, like, uh, just slam that shit. I had somebody a long time ago, one of, one of – uh, worked for one of my managers that I had back in the day, and he, he fucking drank tequila. And he drank, he drank that shit like, you know, like we drink Crown and Royal. Like it was nothing. No, I like I to this day, dude. As much as a fucking booze bag as I am, if you give me a shot of tequila, I will make a face like I'm in seventh grade. <laughs> I just can't get that shit down. Oh, remember that girl last year? She had the fucking overalls. Yeah, I remember. Fat ass and the fucking half shirt underneath. Yeah, I remember all good. of it. Yeah, she was good. Yeah, I remember that. That was before it got a little blurry. <laughs> well, that, I, in the chronological history of the Rose Bowl, uh, round, first one ever, the epic, the the granddaddy of them all, the one. It's it's like every great empire starts with a, a big crime. Yeah. Like <laughs> that, that, that 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 was the crime against humanity. That was just the greatest. That was probably my funnest time as an adult ever. That there's wait, and uh, why uh, was that? Because I feel like we get just as drunk every year. But that there was just something about I think because it was all new. Yeah. No, but everything worked out. We walked in there completely fuck hammered. I remember I bought that that fifty year old guy a program because he thought it was too expensive, and I was like, "Let me get two. You like that?" I go, "You know what you're looking at? You're looking at a big shot. You're not going to see a lot." I was talking like a fucking idiot. We were smoking those Cubans. And we we got in and somehow you still had your Cuban cigar. I, I you, could you have your ticket around your neck? Or I have something? my t- You bought the uh, the super duper ticket holder, and they. Yeah, just, I'm a nerd. I try to save. It was so out. many people squishing in that they weren't even looking at me that I was still smoking a Cuban cigar. There's something about eating a steak, drinking a bottle of Crown, smoking a Cuban cigar that makes you feel empowered to do. Anything, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people listening is thinking that you mean he means splitting a bottle. Every year, Joe shows up with two bottles of Crown, one for us and one for him. And dude, I heard Jimmy Page. You know that picture that he takes where he he puts the the Jack Daniels back like that. I heard he just stuck his tongue in the in the hole there. Just it was just like a photo op thing. You actually down the whole fuck. Oh, that, that's that considered a fifth. That's terrible. Yeah, it's, well, it's the regular size crown, but that's terrible to know. I didn't want to know that. Well, he made it up with the fucking uh, the heroin abuse. Oh. So I'm just repeating something from somebody in a bar who allegedly met fucking somebody. Well, let me tell you something, mister in a bar. If you're going to talk shit on Jimmy Page, just make sure it's true. Because 
that's something. Dude, that's that, all I that, do, though. That, that, that's not a rumor that should be like, you know, Jimmy Page, uh, he's not really drinking. That's like, J- Jimmy Page's Jack Daniels is really iced tea. It's like when you find out when Dean Martin, like, like no, Dean was drunk most of the time, just when he was already gone, like the producer, like, let's put a little, let's water this one down. Because yeah, now, now people want to revisit history, like, oh, Dean was drinking iced tea. Like, yeah, and the hookers were fake. Like, give me a break. Like, these guys were partying their asses, asses off. off. And they, could, they, they had a good buzz going. Look, you got to know me. Most of my shit is just stuff that I just repeat shit that somebody tells me. To, and then that's it. That's it. I, don't, I don't research. Anything. No, but we do drink a lot. But I, I, I and but I hadn't lawhead, though. Lawhead is, is the cook. Lawhead's looking at a, a barbecue uh, brisket or some shit. Game, this year. game, uh, game two. That's what he said. I tell you the other thing too. Just the planes coming over when you're when you are bombed. There is nothing better than two uh, two like F 16s flying right over your head that you're not expecting. I mean, that was just like yeah. Uh, I, I also think those were like two like historic teams too. It's like we went the first year and it was USC. Versus Penn, Penn State. State. And Penn State gained six total yards in that game. And wow. I celebrated it like they won 40 to nothing. Well, that's because you yelled at that fucking cunt who was sitting in front of him. Oh, she got mad at you with the cigar. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing was, was I mean, I my sister went to Penn State. My SATs, I could have taken them six times. I wouldn't have got into Penn State if you added them all together. But we, Dude, you so, know, but I, we, I got like a 390 or a 407 combined. And I took a prep course, too. <laughs> but we were like, actually, the day I was going to take the SATs, I, uh, the night before, my uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, come, come help me collect some money. So I didn't get a good night's sleep before I took my test. Oh, that's I, right. Back in the day when you were in Pittsburgh. You yeah, used to back go in the day. Uh, yeah, we won't tell them those stories, but that's, that's, that's my essay. That's why I didn't do too good in the SATs. You don't, yeah, is it those, that, that stuff about uh, collecting money back in the day when you were, you were the, uh, the fucking dude they brought around, the enforcer? The, the, you, you don't get into that stuff ever, huh? No, it was just fun. It's just, it's just, it was just for beer money. Oh, so beer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about You know that. something? That's why that guy that one year, the first year, the wife of that lady, after she gave you shit, she said something about your nose, and then you said you need to lose about 20 pounds before you talk to me, bitch. And then she turned to her husband, and he turned around, took one look at you, and then started jawing at me, you know. I said like 40. You always say 20. I said like 40, though. She was a big, ugly woman. The thing was, I'm a nice guy, Bill. And I and (laughs) and if you just would have said, hey, can you please put that cigar out? I always said, oh, my. Oh, my God. I actually I snuck this in. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't even sneak it in. I just forgot I was smoking it. I'm like, uh, uh, sorry. I'll put it out. You had it chomped in your mouth like you were a general, just <laughs> surveying your conquered land. Uh, it was like I was. It's like I was a. It's like I was a, a boxing aficionado from the 1920s. Yeah, it was. Awesome. And she said, "Just put that goddamn thing up." She came, she came out of the gate, and then I was just like, "Well, that's uncalled for." <laughs> and that's when I said, "You need to lose about 40 pounds to talk to me." And then I thought we were getting kicked out. But in defense of her, though. Like, we were so – you realize how fucking ridiculous it was? Well, first of all, I fell on that fucking old lady, sort of fell into her. Yes. And nobody helped me up, and I had to push off her, and I felt folded her in half. And then you got to the seat, and then you had the fucking cigar. <laughs> to, so to, already we, we were kind of a spectacle. We, we have to have a little bit of empathy here. To, to paint the picture of where we were at, though, too, in, if you ever see a college football game where you see the stands, and it's like, oh, my God, there's 100,000 people wearing – Red or orange or green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was literally 50,000 people wearing USC colors and just a speck of me and Bill just wearing, like, 
neutral nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but they knew we were for Penn State immediately. Once that lady started yelling at me, I was just I, – I mean, I'm not a USC fan anyway, so I uh, – But I, I, I did like USC because the girls were so hot, and then we met a guy <laughs> that – was such a USC fan, he literally had the uh, the Trojan outfit and let us put on the Trojan helmet. And the helmet, that's yeah. the beauty of the Rose Bowl, I think, that makes it so much fun. Is a it's eighty degrees outside. Everywhere else, the weather sucks, and the teams are so happy to be there. There's nothing really on the line. No one, I mean, other than you know your own betting purposes. Right. So everyone's just happy to be parting. It's not like in you're you're in Pittsburgh, and I mean, like some of the best tailgates are Green Bay or any other city where it rules. There's tension in the air. Yeah, must and it's games. twenty <laughs> degrees <Yeah>. outside. <laughs> this is like it's sunny. Everyone's happy to be there, throwing the ball around. It's just it's the way it should be. Really. You know, you told me something the other day. I thought was because you know you know I'm a big like maniac as far as going around to different stadiums and all that. Like I love all of them, and I got a chance to go to Three Rivers. Before they knocked it down, I saw didn't see a Steelers. I saw a Pirates game there when they honored Willie Stargell literally like two weeks before he died. Oh, pops. Yeah. We it, are. It, and I remember it was a Cubs game, and I was sitting down the right field line, and Sammy Sosa was still playing. And uh, But you were saying your dad has had season tickets since the stadium that they played in before Three Rivers, which was what? I always forget. Yeah, what. my dad has had tickets since Forbes Field. Forbes Field. And then they went to Pitt Stadium or something for a couple of years. I may have this reversed, but he's had them like in both of those places. Then they went to Three Rivers, and my dad sat exactly on the 50, four rows from the top. Four rows, four rows from the top, and he sat there, and he, he watched them go from sucking. I mean, you guys were the absolute – you know, you're one of the original NFL teams, and you were a doormat for the good, what, 30, 40 years? It's finally come back to where now we're, like, better than we suck. <laughs> like, like I yeah. was born in 1969. That's the year they drafted Joe Green. I'm 43. For the first 40 years, they didn't win, like, four games. Anything. Now we finally – now it's like we've been better than, than – then we've been. Then we sucked. Which when I was Since little, the Super Bowl era, yeah, because when I, I was like five or six, my dad would take me to the games. That's when it was all steel workers. So and you tough. went there and you saw Lambert Ham. I saw every. I Rocky saw the game Blyer. where Bradshaw spun in the ice oh, and, and, the and playoff games. Yeah, I mean the greatest thing was we were our our side was the Steeler. Dude, that bench. was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I think. Yeah, our side was on the Steeler bench. So the greatest thrill ever is and is the Steelers would kick off. And then, this, then okay, the other team would have the ball one, two, three, and out. And then the Steelers come off to our side. And then it's like watching the Hall of Fame induction committee come off. Right. I mean, that's the Steelers. And the place, how many of them may, of that? There's eleven guys on defense. Like six of them, maybe. Uh, well, four, four, four on defense. And uh, sure, dude, LC Greenwood. LC's not in yet. He isn't. No, it's Mean Joe, Lambert, Ham, right. and Mel Blunt. And then it's on the offense. It's Webster, Swan, Stallworth. Bradshaw, Franco, and of course the Emperor Chuck Noll. And they used to be so fun- that's, that's nine. Nine out of your 22. That's almost half the guys on your fucking te- your, of your starting team made the fucking Hall of Fame on a football team. Well, the thing was, is in for years they wouldn't put Swan or Stallworth in, and it used to be the old manager of the punchline, Jim Cornette, knew at like five in the morning when I'm a bottle of Crown in, you want to get me to argue for an hour, just say, I don't think Lynn Swan should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> That that was always. It's almost like now I can die in peace, like the Ranger fans. You know what that's like. That was the first time we brought up. Uh, you and I discussed Alf Samuelson and Cam Neal, and you were like, "Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I didn't think Alf was that bad a guy." I was like, "You got it." <laughs> and you, what's funny about you is you just don't ever lose your cool. 
you just sit there and just be like, hey, yeah, you know, which was making me fucking matter and matter. I mean, we were over fucking Jimmy Doors. And Jimmy was killing everybody playing ping pong. Oh, yeah. Taking in between. Jimmy was fucking talking shit, too. He, he was just, I'm just returning the ball, Bill. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just returning the ball. And he put all this fucking spin on it. I get my ass kicked the, over there. The Democrats must have been losing that year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play door when the Republicans are in the White House. We'll take it out on you. Exactly. So we got in that epic fight. But, you know. I'm trying to think. So the first like NFL game you went to, you, he brought you there when you were like, what, four or five years old? Yes. There was like 10, 10, no women, no women ever in like just 10 boys that were lucky enough to have. I went with my dad and my grandpa, and that was the original curtain, the original everything. So wait a minute. Now, can you remember, did you ever see O.J. Simpson? I mean, you talk Frank no. Parkinson. You know, uh, no, I, I will- want to hear some of the guys you saw because the first game I went to was like I'm in the 80s. I saw the guys like Dan Marino. I saw Jim Zorn. I saw guys from like leftover seventy guys and all the eighty guys when I when I would go to the Patriots. But like seventies guys, that's when I collected football cards. That's when they were like gods to me. So can you remember anybody? Uh, any you saw Earl Campbell then? Oh yeah, I saw Earl Campbell. To me, still the greatest running back I've ever seen because he's the only guy that I was when I was a kid I was ever afraid of. Like when I was a kid, the Steelers were like the Globetrotters. Like they yeah. never lost. Like right. I, when they lost in '77 to the Orange Crush in Denver, and Mean Joe, my favorite Steeler, obviously, he punched a guy in the stomach and got thrown out. It ruined Christmas. Like I still <laughs> believed in Santa Claus, but the Steelers losing and Mean Joe getting tossed out, it was like Christmas was ruined. That was such a fucked up year. That was the year with Craig Morton and those guys, right? Ah, uh, yeah. And that's next week they beat the Raiders. Yes, John Madden. Yeah, Madden, and then and then they got crushed by the Cowboys, which is such a joke. And they, oh, the team, this the team that. Decade, whatever. You'd never beat anybody for real when it ever really mattered, Dallas. They were never called the team. They were called America's team. America's team. Yeah, that's like, well, no, all but, America's you, team means is that you have fans in every city. It doesn't mean that you're the best team. People, well, people take that the wrong way. Well, for years, though, it's like they always revisions, you know, this and that, you know, and it's like Lynn Swan always says the game gives you moments. Right. It's what you do with those moments. Yeah. <laughs> And Jackie Smith, you dropped the ball. You must be the sickest man in America. Jackie yes, you Smith, are. bless his heart. He's got to be the sickest man in America. I got to put that clip up there, too. That was like, dude, I got to tell you something, though. When I went over to uh, uh, Stockholm, uh, Sweden, and I was totally jet lagged, some fucking Steeler fan put all four of the Steelers Super Bowls in their entirety. I don't know if they're still up on YouTube. It was the fucking shit. And I got to tell you something about the Dallas Cowboys. 1976, they had you guys beat. They played Marty Ball. in the. They started the game with a fucking reverse on the kickoff to fucking uh, Hollywood Henderson. He runs up the sideline. Roy Jarella knocked, knocked him out of bounds. He took a knee to the ribs. He yeah. missed like three field goals because of that fucking play. Yeah. And Tom Landry got all fucking conservative. And shut his offense down. They no, ensued the kickoff and let it in the hands of his defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they oh, really, I mean, really I mean, like. I mean, they, yeah, like those games really. To me, those were like the best. Like the best Super Bowl I ever saw is just as far as two powerhouse teams was that '79 one, the, the the Steelers versus the Cowboys, and the two that worst uh, uh, matchups. Two of the worst matchups that were almost great fucking Super Bowls was if the fucking Raiders beat the stupid Orange Crush that year, they were defending Super Bowl champions, and they would have gone up against the Dallas Cowboys with a rookie Tony Dorsett. Now, how much fucking better are that instead of a stupid 27-10 to 10 game? And then in 85, when my stupid Patriots, <laughs> we beat the fucking Miami Dolphins. The, Miami, the only reason why the Bears didn't go undefeated was because the Dal- Dan Marino beat them on Monday Night Football, beat the 46 defense. So they were 15 and fucking one, 
it would have been the rematch. Dan Marino defended the, the undefeated Dolphins. That Super Bowl would have happened, but the stupid fucking Patriots, we went into the Orange Bowl, won for the first time in like 20 years, and then we go in there and just, we got raped. I think we got raped. We literally got raped. And I hate the, I hate the uh, shit on the Pittsburgh guy uh, who I love, but he, he should have let Peyton get the touchdown. That was a disgrace when he gave the fridge the ball. Really? Yeah. You're going to give the fridge the ball because the fridge is the fridge? Because they, they, <laughs> they got caught up in that Super Bowl As opposed to, shit. like, Walter Payton. <laughs> Walter Payton, who was playing on, like, 2-14 and 14 teams or 2-12 and 12 teams when he started because they didn't have four. When, when everyone still ran the ball, like the SEC. When football was, about, when it was a man's game, and it's not like, let's spread everybody out and get a pass interference. Oh, can we talk about that? I got, I got to read some advertising here real quick, but we got to uh, – we got to talk about that because uh, I know you are definitely on the same page as me when it comes to uh, this pass interference shit. So let's get the advertising out of the way here. Everybody, Stamps.com, you know the deal. I read this every week. Uh, you're sick of going to the post office? Would you like to have the post office in your house? If any time of the year you're going to sign up for Stamps.com, this is the time of the year to do it. The holidays are coming up. You literally don't even have to go to the mall. You go to Amazon.com. You buy all your stuff. They send it to you, and and uh, with stamps.com, they give you a little scale. You can print out, um, you can print out actual postage for the boxes, stamps, letters, anything you want to do. You never have to go to the post office again. Uh, what do we got here? I use stamps.com anytime I, I'm on the road, and I send out my DVDs. It's 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 the greatest thing ever. I can literally do it at one in the morning. And uh, right now, there's a special offer. When you use my last name, Burr, B-U-R-R, you get a no-risk trial plus $110 bonus. It includes a digital scale and up to $55 in free postage. They're literally giving you 55 bucks during the holiday season. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com right now before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Burr, B-U-R-R. That's Stamps.com. Enter Burr. For the love of God, do yourself a favor during the holiday season. Bring the post office into your home. Go to Amazon.com, order your presents off of that, and then just get a beer, turn on the TV, and laugh at humanity when they do those stupid commercials. Now they do those stories on the news about people getting trampled at a Walmart. All right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And uh, Amazon.com, real quickly, if you guys want to support this podcast, uh, just click on the banner ad on um, the podcast page of my website. Anything you buy, Amazon.com will kick me a little bit of a percentage, and then I kick a percentage of that over to the, uh, the Wounded Warriors Project. So you support this podcast, and you support the troops. Can you do any better than that? I don't think so. And once again, for this holiday season, we have the wonderful Mangrate system. What is the Mangrate, you ask? They are 100% made in America, cast iron grilling grates that are revolutionizing the way people grill. Basically, when you buy a grill... Um, they usually give you, you know, they give you grilling grates. They have those little skinny grates on them, and you can't get those great marks that you see at the steakhouse. This just basically upgrades your grill. It's like ripping out the four-cylinder you have in your car and slamming a 454 in there. That's basically what it is. Um, they got that nice, thick grilling grates. Uh, it's named one of 2012's Best Grilling Accessories by Men's Health Magazine. Man grates are the perfect gift this holiday season. Click on the Mangrate banner on the podcast page of uh, BillBird.com for their $19.99 holiday special. 20 bucks, You're in and you're out. There you go, Dad. Thanks for raising me. Oh, I love you, son. Um, remember, each Monday morning podcast order comes with a heavy-duty grilling brush. Good Lord. They actually gave me one of these. They're, they're awesome. I swear, even if the apocalypse comes down, you can melt this thing down 
and get your 20 bucks back or at least slam a zombie over the head with it. And they're going to give you a brush. You're out of your mind not to do this. Again, that's the Mangrate Grills Enhancement System. Order today on the podcast page of uh, BillBird.com. Okay? All right. Back with the legendary Joe Bartnick. Before we get into this, aside from the fact you're one of my great friends both in and out of this business, uh, we're here to actually promote Joe Bartnick has a new stand-up CD, uh, hour-long CD um, that he's going to be releasing off of All Things Comedy, our podcast network called Salute. Um, tell the uh, tell the fine folks about it. Oh, it's a it's a fun CD recorded it live at the Punchline, San Francisco. It's about fifteen minutes of Bartnick classics. Uh, it's, it was <laughs> <laughs> so I can hopefully bury some of that material. I've been lagging around. I need some new stuff. Everyone's like, we've heard that ten times. Like, well, you keep, keep coming back. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, but um, actually, buy it on Amazon. It comes out Tuesday. Help Bill. Okay. Help the Wounded Warriors. And don't go out in traffic. I'll tell you what. I was just in traffic yesterday going to a gig, and I was like, haven't people figured out Amazon yet? Like, you can just sit at oh, home yeah. in your underwear. It's like they have your 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 <laughs> they have your Mastercard. They have your sister's address. You just go boom, 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 and that is. It. That's it. Uh, it's amazing. But, yeah, it's uh, called Salute. Like, instead of cheers, us Italians go salute. That's right. And since I'm a big drinker and a lot of the jokes are about drinking in the one way or the other, um, it's good. First time I ever heard Salute was uh, on some live old uh, Sinatra album. I heard it. It was with him with the Count Basie Orchestra, and they brought out a drink. Uh. Somebody said something, and he said, Salute. Gin done. I got him with some Italian shit. I don't know what. And he laughed or whatever. And it was just like... It just seemed like even just in that moment on the record, it just seemed like it was so much better that like, uh, I don't know. It was just like if you went and saw Frank, it's not like somebody would take out a fucking iPhone and then film it. And then if you didn't make it, you could see a clip of it. It's just like you. it was such a fucking everything was just such a fucking event. That's why, like, you know, why I'm sitting here being a, a total geek about listening to you going to those you went to NFL games in the 70s. Dude, the 70s, that was like the golden age of NFL football, like the level of quarterbacks that were in the league. Stabler, Bradshaw, Staubach, Fran Tarkington. Uh, who else was some of the biggest even, ones? But even the shitty quarterbacks like Ken Anderson or Brian Sight. Dan Fouts, not yeah, a shitty oh, quarterback. Oh, oh, Fouts is amazing. But even like even the back of – Dan like, Pastorini. Yeah, Dante Pastorini. Like, like Don Strzok. Don Strzok, would yeah. Be, would be a playoff quarterback nowadays. Oh, the way they fucking throw now? Yeah. They yeah. don't even run for four yards. So the, those guys will throw for 300 yards, and they're literally like, you know, 42 for 48. And you're like, oh, my God, the accuracy. It's like, no, they're throwing four-yard fucking passes now. You're not allowed to touch a wide receiver. I mean, th- think, of, think of what Swan would do now. They couldn't touch him. I mean, they used to just try to abuse him every second. The, yeah. the Raiders would like, you know, hit him in the head. Swan played with concussions every week. It's like, or, uh, or the Mel Blount rule, which if you can somehow find this guy's footage – on the on, on on YouTube of the 1976 Super Bowl, Mel Blount just beats the shit out of of uh, Golden Richards the whole fucking game. <laughs> Golden Richards almost is crying in the end of it, and he finally gets so fed up in the fourth quarter, he punches Mel Blount back, and Mel Blount just did, I think it was a forearm shiver or something to his ribs, and uh, Golden's laying on the ground almost crying. No flag, and like the ref saw like the 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 fucking elbow and stuff. It was it was just considered football. It was a man's game. It, it used to be football. <laughs> well, it used to be football was like the 12, like the 10 guys in the bar you wouldn't mess with. Those guys played football. 
Now it's like the 10 guys who, when they were 15, started taking steroids and like they went through all the best schools and they got recruited and they, they, they did good in the combine and blah, blah, blah. It's like because the, the, the guys that played the so NFL. You, you don't, you don't even, see, me, I'm just bitching about the rules. I still think that those guys are fucking the maniacs, man. Uh, I, think, I just think like the level of like – like the money and there's so much at stake now that you can't just be going down to the bar, drinking a 12-pack, and then going out and playing your, your, your high school football game Friday night. You know, you really got to take it seriously. Uh, but I think, in the, I think in the 70s, those, those guys were way more outlaws. They were the outlaws. The steel- right. I mean, like er- Ernie Holmes shot at a police helicopter, and Rooney brought a, brought a bag of money up to Cleveland. Like, I let him off the hook. Like, it was like that, that type. Of, that wouldn't happen now. <laughs> Now they should. Now they should have Ra- have uh, Rachel Nichols outside the outside the facility. <laughs> ah, we don't know what's wrong with Ernie. <laughs> I mean, it's like I just read that big ESPN book, that like thousand page book. I'll give it to you. Oh, okay. um, and it's all like behind the scenes. It's like you know, I, any way you paint it, I still hate Susie Colber. She despicably did not kiss. I would kiss Joe Willie Namath on national TV. <laughs> Like, why would you disparage Joe Willie Namath? It's like it's Broadway Joe. Everybody loves the ladies. The poor man had to go to rehab. He was embarrassed. Like you can. You know what's funny was the second he started talking, you knew he was hammered. Yeah, he was just. He just had that fucking. I can't feel my nose glow look on his face. But it's Joe Namath. He's allowed. I know. And he was back there with his friends. You yeah. know what they were doing. You know they were talking shit going, come on, guys. You know if we were healthy, we'd fucking kill this team. You know, they were having a good time. And all of a sudden, he's talking to some fucking lady. And you know him. He went back to the 70s. Yeah. He was back at the Playboy Mansion. Well, she grabbed him. Joe, come over here. And she grabbed him. I was like, well, what's he going to do? I really want to kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Joe. I follow him on Twitter. He's the best. I love that. I just, I love Joe. He's the, he's Joe name. That's, that's one thing about Pittsburgh, too. It's like, you know. And you hate when I go off, but you know, Johnny, you basically invented football. No, 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 no. I just, I give you shit about the amount of times that you quote, like, I don't give a fuck what situation we could be in the middle of the desert, like running out of water. And you just be like, well, you know, one time Mike Wagner said, <laughs> well, John my, Stallworth to quote John Stallworth, my, you're, my, you're a fucking super fan, man. I, I can't, my, my I can't two favorite sports quotes are Lynn Swan. The game gives you moments. My other one is actually, I told it to John Madden's face and he loved I'll it. Tell that story. Tell that I story. will tell. Okay. So we're out in a business park, me and my buddy, the captain out in like an hour West East of Oakland, which is basically if you're not on the coast in California, you might as well be in Texas. Right. Uh, this is like, this is actually where they shoot the sons of anarchy. Uh, it's just the badlands of, Cal- of California. Anyway, we're out there. Uh, I'm probably dropping off a bag of weed to a friend of mine or something. <laughs> we were there around lunchtime. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, we see this massive force coming out of a diner. And John's huge. And he's wearing like a big winter coat because it gets cold there. It's like 40. Did you recognize Madden immediately? Immediately. And I would be like, hey, John. So I'm going to, going to captain like, hey, man, like hitting him. Like, look, 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 look. And all of a sudden. So anyway, we start walking. To, and he's like, oh, my God. So then, so they're going, hey, Mister Madden, or like, hey, hey, hey. And what, what was was he freaking out? He's you're just, a big guy to be yelling. Yeah, at. and I mean, the captain at noon in an office park. It's like, it's like in an office park. We're getting, you know, what's what do these guys want? Yeah. So he starts walking really fast. Like I'm getting away from these guys. Oh, trying to go to his car. Yeah, trying to get. And he's like not fumbling with his keys, but he's trying to hurt with his keys. So then I, <laughs> <laughs> so then. So he's totally ignoring us, just like maybe these guys will go away. I'm going right. to blow, blow my rape whistle, like get away. Right. And then I just yell out my favorite quote, actually, which is he told his Super Bowl pregame speech was, this will be the greatest day of your life, only if you win. 
So you yelled that. I yelled that at him. Right then, he turns around and goes, oh, hey, fellas, how you doing? <laughs> and he showed us his Super Bowl ring. We went over and shook his hand. And then I'm not an autograph guy. And right. until like a year ago, I wasn't even a picture guy. Right. But you kind of have to do that now. So I'm just like, it, it was just a thrill. And then literally we got in our car and just called the first thousand people we could talk to. Like, we just met Madden. We just met Madden. <laughs> it was the greatest. But I used that line on myself for like big sets or big shows or big appearances or something. Is like, Oh, that's it, what you used to, to psych yourself Yeah, up. like this will be the greatest day of your life. Only if you kill. Only if you kill. That's hilarious. <laughs> Fucking late. Yeah, I, I got to admit, like – um, I'm I'm tr- I'm fighting really hard not to become the uh, the crabby old guy sitting there talking about how the game used to be, and I I think you know I understand they got to do what they got to do. You understand, dude? Uh, uh, this this future football they're going to start with the linemen standing up so they don't slam their heads together. Well, I, what I understand is that you know what you want to live till you're seventy, drive a bus. You want right. to <laughs> you you, you want to have baby mamas and mansions and drive cars and be on Yo MTV Raps, then you're going to die when you're 50, and that's the way it is. If you don't like it, play in the CFL. Like I mean, that's just that's just that's football. See, that's the thing, Bill. I, that's what I grew up on. I grew up on that. That's it's just I still enjoy it. Hell, I work for the NFL on Fox. It pays me. I love. I get the ticket. I watch every game. It's still good. It's still better than watching ninety eight percent of everything else. Right. But it's not. They, they, third and one, you got five wide receivers in the game. that's not football. Right. I mean, that's what I love about me. You know, like, and all these tricks and like Chuck Noll, I'll quote Chuck Noll again, or for the, you know, like uh, you (laughs) you can fool some of the people some of the time, but in the end, it comes down to blocking and tackling. And that's football. It's about lining up. It's the Oklahoma (laughs) drill. You know, it's about, they don't even do two You You quote Steelers the way like a Jesus freak quotes like scripture. Well, NFL films to me, if Chuck Knoll three sixteen. <laughs> to me, if you grew up in Pittsburgh, if you're from Pittsburgh in the seventies, you can jerk off the Super. You can jerk off the NFL films. It's that great. And right. I, in San Francisco, I, I was roommates with the. That's Canadian. the greatest run in the Super Bowl. Have you guys won four and six years? Four and six. It, 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 my my old roommate, uh, one of my old roommates, who was a complete uh, art guy and drew and he was sensitive. He probably wrote poetry. I don't know, but he hated football. But he just loved the cinematography of NFL films. That's unreal. I mean, that's that's how great it, it's almost like it's almost like regular football. If you just watch a game, like whatever you're going to watch, whatever today, <laughs> it's not as good as watching the NFL films version of it. A- NF- yeah, NFL films. I always forget the guy, the voice of God. Oh, John Facenda. Yeah, what the, the what autumn wind is a raider. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was great. You ever heard Artie uh, Artie Lang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, all the time. I, I love the, when, Nick, when he, Nick he, and Artie. When, that's the best. When he quotes that. Oh, yeah. When I went in, I did Nick and Artie's show. It's such a – if you guys aren't listening to it, you're out of, out of your mind. If you just want to listen to two people talking sports, and even if you're not into sports, you're just going to love listening to it because it's just – they're just guys, guys. It's fucking great. And I was sitting out uh, waiting to go in, and he went into his, uh, his impression of that, the autumn wind is a raider. I, I can't even remember how the fuck it goes. And he just did the whole poem – and uh, he fuck he's just his delivery because he's a fucking great actor too, man. You know, I mean, he's, oh, he's, he's, just, he's he's. I mean, I love Artie Lang. I mean, Artie Lang, his his football jokes on his uh, Jack and Coke special is the greatest when he when he rips on the Eagles. 
That's just the funniest thing ever. I made Kevin Shea watch it. I taped it. I got to see it. It's just funny to do a chunk on the Eagles and his stand-up special. Yeah. Dude, my did. buddy Paul Verzi said one time, he goes, you know what's fucking weird is everybody watches sports. For the most part. When we say everybody, I mean the masses watch sports. Real men. Yeah, but but no people who you're going to talk to watch but, sports. <laughs> not, not the guy with the. I just with, love how we define anybody who's into our shit. Real guys, guys that you like. like if, if you're wearing a hat just because you think it's cool uh, and uh, like you're trendy, like you know, I'm not going to talk to you anyway. Like that, that, that's just how I view stand up. Like I like the guys who I would be drinking with. I right. don't like the guys who I wouldn't be drinking with, and yeah. that's just the way it is. Now some guys are. That's why I like hanging out with you because I need. Uh, over the years, I've gotten a little more fucking uh, little. Some of your Bartnick stuff has rubbed off on me because I'm one of those fucking I'm, – I'm like, you know, I'm a liberal. I'm one of those empathetic people. Eh, let me see the other side of this shit. A lot of people wouldn't believe that listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, that's like – go ahead. I'm sorry. But I fucking uh, – you know, it, it finally I've gotten to the point of I will actually now – like if someone's a fucking dick, I'll just be like, all right, that guy's a dick. But it still won't stop me from un- trying to understand why they're a dick. But you're, you're, you're like – you're just so fucking efficient. With that shit, like I, I know a couple guys like you in my life where it's just you're just real efficient. You size somebody up, and the second you think that they're a dick, you like fuck that guy, and you don't give a fuck about. Well, maybe his dad left. You don't give a fuck. You just like fuck him. I don't know I'm about done. that. I mean, I feel bad for him if his dad left. I feel bad. Well, you know what? I feel bad for people who lose their mothers. Because and just like the not to be tragic, the Kansas City thing. That's what's sad is like some kid doesn't have a mother. But uh, that's a fucking. I didn't want to get into it because it's just a sad topic. Just, yeah, just but uh, the uh, – no. Uh, what are we going to talk about now? Uh, oh, sizing people up. Well, I grew up in bars. My grandfather owned and ran bars. <laughs> and uh, so ever since – Wait a minute. Why the fuck wasn't that the name of your special? Joe Bartnick, <laughs> I grew up in bars. If you somehow had a picture of you sitting there on the stool. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. Great story. Go ahead. No, no, no. But that's so, you know, when you're when you're like four years old in Pittsburgh in in like, you know, the 70s in bars, you can size people up. You you understand people's mojo in about a second if they're now, how good. How old were you when they when, he, when you were getting brought into these bars? Oh, like three, four, five, six. My grandfather always had three. He was like Norm. He had a seat in every bar. He'd go and people like, hey, Harry. He'd call everybody Harry. His name was Dominic. But he was right. like the original guy that would say dude because he couldn't remember a million people's names. So he would just go, hey, Harry. Hey, Harry. And he was totally bald. Right. That's why at Cedar Games, he was the genie because they'd rub his head for good luck. They actually <laughs> rubbed his head before the Immaculate Reception. And that's, that's a true story. So he was always the genie after that to lift up dude, his hat. if you say that you were at that game, I'm walking I was right not now. at the Immaculate Reception game. No, I was not. I, my first live game was in 1976. Actually, it was... It was Tampa Bay versus the Steelers. They won forty-two nothing in a blizzard. No was one. Sam Huff, the quarterback, was Doug Williams there. I don't remember. I mean, I was like six years old. It was okay. just a blizzard, and everyone was mad that we went. That's when my dad would go to every game, no matter. Now, if it's like raining in in, in early October, ah, it's a little chilly outside. I'm going to stay home. But before, because <laughs> he waited forty years to see a winner. Right. Uh, but just that's just how I size people up. Like, and women too, especially that. And an old girlfriend of mine was like, she was like, I love Sarah. Or whatever, whether her name was like Sarah. Sarah's a great friend of mine. She's my friend. I'm like, she's a cunt. I'm like, don't don't deal with her. <laughs> we broke up. Three years later, uh, this girl comes up to me and goes, you were so right about Sarah. You, she was such a bitch. Ah. I'm right. like, I told you. I can just. <laughs> but other people in, in, in Hollywood or they were like, they're, they're nice to everybody because they were, oh, what if that guy gets a Tonight Show? And, and you'll be like, 
Really? Who gives a shit? Like, life's too short. If he's a dick now, he'll be a dick then. I don't really care. Like, I'm friends with who I want to be friends with. I'm, right. But I'm nice. To, I'm pretty much nice to everybody, though. I'm just not their friends. No, no. I, I would I would 100% agree with that. Before we get too deep into the podcast, we're going to talk football the whole time. I mean, I guess there's not a lot to talk about about fucking hockey. But uh, you know what's sad about- I, I've been kind of blaming the owners because it's been a lockout and they agreed to a deal. But someone was giving me shit on Twitter saying, did you see this shit the players did now? Are you, are you on, you're still on the players' side? I hope not. And I haven't really been paying attention. Last I paid attention, they were down to like, you know, players were going from 57% to down to 53 I, I have three things to say about the hockey thing. <laughs> <laughs> One is, why doesn't just – I know Lemieux saved hockey three times, but he's to come back again. Why doesn't Lemieux, Shanahan, Holly, and Steve Eiserman just get in a room and just say, you know what? We, you know, this is the fucking game. Here's the deal. Just play hockey, and that's it. But the two things I do want to say is like, you know, the other for like a month, I'm like, it's dark outside. I need to be watching five games. Like, I'm shaking. Then last week, I just was like, you know what? I'm reading a book. I don't, right. I don't miss it. And you know what, NHL? If I'm not missing it, who the hell is going to be watching, like, Carolina-Ottawa on Fox Sports South 2 alternate? Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, the one it, who got it, me back in the hockey. Yeah, yeah like, if I'm here. not watching it, who's, gonna, who's, who's coming back? The really sad thing is my daughter for Christmas got this doll that's, like, this super doll that you have to, now you have to buy $80 outfits for. So my sister was like, I'm going to buy her a penguin outfit. The lady in Pittsburgh is like, oh, we're not making penguin outfits this year because, because of the strike. Of shit. I'll get her a Steeler one. So that's just how far down, like, everything is, like, hockey just gets lower and lower now because of the strike. It's so stupid. And they made more money than they ever made. They, got the, they have the Winter Classic. Dude, it's an, uh, NHL hockey has not been on network television, on NBC, CBS, or ABC has not been on it the entire time I've watched it. It was on in the 70s, the worst time they could have made the deal when it was just absolutely a, a, a fucking barroom brawl yeah. every, um, every game. You know something? <clears throat> this is the, the one thing, the only thing I like. There's two things I like about the Montreal Canadiens being a, a Bruins fan. One was when they booed Patrick Waugh, and he said, fuck you guys, I'm never playing here again, because that really fucked that franchise. Right. And then he goes to win two at the Avalanche. Which were the Nordiques, so that could piss off Canadians. Well, the, uh, the 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 Ray Bork Cup. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. What, 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 what do you think about that, though? Um, I actually, I, I don't have a problem with it because. Let me get to the other thing. What, okay. Why, okay, the other thing about that I love was when fucking uh, Larry Robinson beat the shit out of Dave Schultz to start yes. the Canadians' run. Where he, it was just standing up to him. It was like, all right, buddy, you want to play this fucking game? No, that's. I mean, you you, you know my. I, hate, I love that. You know my hatred for the Flyers. Runs. Oh, it's it's legendary. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and Philly—they they're in the same state. They—that's Hatfield and McCoy. Yeah, you that's just can... that is that's the only rivalry Pittsburgh has because people like when the the Browns is like oh you're not a rivalry with your doormat. The Ravens they're like new and who who cares? I mean the Flyers and the Penguins. We we used to be O for Nixon. We were like O for Watergate in the spectrum till like eighty right. eight. I mean. It's just, I mean, that's and, it, and, and their that's fans when, that's and their when, fans uh, hated Lemieux, but then they actually cheered Lemieux when he came back for cancer. They hate Crosby. A lot of fans hate Crosby, but they hate Crosby, and he Crosby just sticks it to them. Too. Yeah, and that's just the best. Some people have do have a hateable face. Crosby has he has sort of a Danny Ainge pouty face. That's that unless he's your guy, you're not going to like it. it. He's he's the best. So it's like LeBron. People just they're getting, there's haters. No, they're already <laughs> exactly they're already going to fucking hate him. Yeah, but he he's so much he's so much easier to hate because there's something about his face. It'd be like Eli Manning would be so much more respected 
he would be at least considered at Aaron Rodgers' level, which I think he finally is after that second one. But, like, it was his face. His fa- he just doesn't look like, you know, he, do- he doesn't have, like, that fucking uh, everything's going to be okay. I'm banging the fucking captain of the cheerleaders fucking uh, yeah. in high school. Maybe hooked up with a teacher. Just that fucking, you know, that fucking five o'clock shadow, the gunslinger. He doesn't have that look. Luck has that look. Luck, luck is a man. I love the fact. I am, I'm, you know something I realized? I Because uh, the, the fact that I actually like Andrew Luck and I actually like the Colts now. I actually realized that I never really even hated Peyton Manning. I just hated that Tom Brady that wasn't getting the respect. Because now, like, I'm watching, Tom, I'm watching Peyton Manning with uh, the Broncos and I'm rooting for him. And I actually think the Patriots, dude, I'm, I mean, I don't even know if we beat the Dolphins at this point. It was close. But, like, I, I'd say we already beat Broncos this year. I, we're, we got a 50-50 chance of, of, uh, of, of losing. Fucking uh, we play them in the playoffs because he, he's, he's so gelled with that team now. Oh, they're good. The, bro- our, the Broncos corners, are good. I mean, anybody stink. but I mean anybody but Houston. Give me a break. I'm saying Houston, Houston. I mean, like, give me. Do you That's really... your old school hatred of the Oilers. Oh, thing. I know the Houston Oilers number one. Nah, nah, yeah, yeah. Nah, Houston. <laughs> I used to have this shirt that had the little iron on from the mall that had uh, Bum Phillips beaten on the door that said Super Bowl and Jack Lambert's in front of it, just holding it back, like like. Uh, Bum knocking on the Super Bowl door. They can't, they won't let him in. Oh, dude, if you still had that, that's fucking legendary. <laughs> oh, I, uh, the sweat rings would be right through it. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I just Houston certainly. I mean, like, I mean, the Steelers are down here, but I mean, like, I, I the thing about the AFC to me is like you always either go through Pittsburgh or you got to go through the Baltimore because unless you unless you can look James Harrison and Palomalu in the face and say we're going to Super Bowl, or you can look Uncle Ray in the face. Right. Then you you haven't really beaten. Uh, you haven't played man football. And Houston Schwab, really? Schwab is Schwab. You think Bill Belichick is going to let Schwab go to the yeah, Super Bowl? Yeah, but that's the thing about the Patriots though. We we put up gaudy numbers. I feel like we the Patriots right now. We're like how the Colts were back in the day when when Peyton Manning they they would go 13 and 3 or 12 and 4 and then lose in the first round. We don't lose in the first round, but like like we're not going to play the Bills. We're not going to play the Jets in January. So who gives a fuck that we put up 50 fucking points? It inflates your stats, and it makes everybody think that you're this juggernaut. And the best thing our secondary has going for it is our running game because it can chew up the clock and keeps them off the field as long as possible because, dude, we fucking let up like 300 yards to that bum and fucking Buffalo, whatever the fuck his name Fitzpatrick. is. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he's out there like he's fucking uh, Starback. His contract is hor- His contract is horrible. His contract is like ten years for all this money. Yeah, he, just, he, like, just not a good. Like even Sprint is trying to end their contract with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, dude, that goes back to that Ray Bork thing. Where you were going to ask me like how, oh. how I felt about it? Like you had to understand that that the the Bruins fan base was so loyal. It didn't matter that we weren't winning cups. They were still going to sell it out. And Sinden and those guys were just cheap fucks. And they would never just make that extra move to get us over the top. And Ray stayed with us, dude, from 1979 to, to June of 2000. And he went through, I don't know how many rebuildings, especially in the, the, the 90s when we really started falling off. He went through, he, he fuck, what was he supposed to do? He had one more year left. There was no fucking way we were going to win it. And that was they, they did him a solid. They traded him to a contender, and they still had to go out and win it. The only thing I didn't like, and I know his heart was in the right place, but when he finally won the cup, he brought the cup back to Boston, 
as like a show of, hey, man, you know, here's the Stanley Cup. And it's just like, I know his heart was in the right place, but it was brutal. It's like, yeah, here's this thing you haven't fucking won in 30, 28 years at that point. Yeah, 28 years. But um, but so I, I don't have I don't have a problem. It with was that. cool. He went to Denver too, so it's like a new city. It wasn't like he went to like oh, I would say the Flyers yeah. offhand, but like like he went to like the Rangers or someone that's just like oh look you've hated him for thirty years now here's like yeah. I don't did, I don't get mad at a Denver lot. Denver didn't even have a team like Ray Allen going to Miami. It doesn't bug me. Like people actually get like pissed. Like he was one of our guys. It's like he wasn't. He was a, he was a free agent. He's he's Jim Calhoun's guy. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know Hoop way more than me. I oh well, I mean Hoop is uh, Hoop is, and it's so sad. Talk about the demise of the NFL. The biggest demise is the demise of the Big East. Oh, I know, huh? Uh, Big uh, East, but college basketball. We were supposed to talk about that. Oh, that's about that. Yeah. Oh, we we still can. It's the great. It's, it's, I used to watch that all the time. Fucking Georgetown, Chris uh, Mullen. I mean, whatever people say. Pearl I read that, Washington. I read that book. Oh, you know NASCAR and blah 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 blah. blah. No, you know what? You know what? invented ESPN was the Big East because then because they had no stupid programming in the afternoon. You didn't have like uh, Michelle Beal on in the afternoon talking. Let's see what Colin Coward thinks. Like who gives a shit what that guy thinks? <laughs> <laughs> they they just ran Big East basketball games again in the afternoon. So what we, when you're out all night in high school playing, then you just stay home from school the next day and watch the Big East all afternoon. My grandma let me stay home from school all the time. I just watched the Big East. It was the best. You used to go to New York too when you. Used to go to New York to see the tournaments. Yeah. Absolutely. So you saw Ewing and uh... I saw I, I, I saw I, two years in a row. I, I saw the Patrick Ewing the year that they won the Big East Championship. We actually saw them in LaGuardia, their whole team. And my dad still pits this day because I became a Knicks fan because I love Pat. Right. But Ewing didn't give me an autograph. My dad wanted to sucker punch him. <laughs> he didn't give you an autograph? No, the whole team. So Bill Martin, who was the power forward back then, gave me an autograph. But these guys were Huge and Thompson was the biggest on them all. And Thompson goes, "Who wants lunch?" Horace, remember Horace Brodnax? Mm-hmm. He'd a stack a hundred dollar bills like John Gotti, just ripping them off, giving them, giving them the players. Jesus Christ! And then two seconds later, Andre the Giant walked past, and I swear to God, uh, I'm almost ready to call s- bullshit si- on the story. Size, what I can call my dad, except he's a, he's like you know panicking over the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> Over the uh, Baltimore, I said Colts. That's how old yeah. school I am. I can't yeah. Ravens. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I you know he's already half. I interrupted it once again. No, the worst he's already half ever. into a uh, bottle of uh, J and B or something. Whatever. He's, he, 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 my dad like he likes to mix it up. I, I respect that. He's a, you know he changes it up. Some days, buddy, Mary. Some days, you never know. He's there. Going you go. For. So get, go back to Andre. I, I, oh, I always interrupt so, your great stories. So. No, so uh, so literally, uh, just right after that, we walk up. Andre the Giant walks past. And honestly, John Thompson was bigger shoulder wise than him. But he walks by. This is how big he was. He actually ducked at a sign in LaGuardia. Now, airport signs yeah. like you can see from well, my. Yeah, he's like six ten. No, he's like seven four. Who is Andre the Giant? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about. Oh no, John coach. Thompson. Like, so yeah, he's backed up Bill John Russell. Thompson. Okay. Right. That's how he knows how to play center because he he worked with oh, Paul yeah, Andre the Giant. They had a thing in Sports Illustrated one time, and they would they were just uh, they talked about you know all the shit he he would do as a joke. Like he would like uh, somebody's car, he would like turn it around and face it, make it <laughs> facing the other way. And they showed him like one night he allegedly drank, drank like a hundred beers, and they showed him when he holds a twelve ounce beer can in his hand. Like the top of the can is flush with like if you hold your hand sideways the way you would hold a beer, like. From the top of his hand to the bottom of his hand is the whole beer. He could fit a 12-ounce can in there. It literally looked – it wasn't even like a pony. It looked like half a pony shot. So it's just like, yeah, this is like him doing like three swallows. He'd be done with it. It's still – 100 beers are still fucking respectful. But uh, 
He's one of the greatest biographies on A&E ever because right when he knew he was going to die at like four months left, he just went back to his hometown and just played cards with all of his friends until he died. Just like wow. just bought like a cabin. Just like, yeah, come on over. I got a kegger. Just playing cards. I think it's – That's fucking think, awesome. You know, you know how bad I hope I go out like that? Like I know. Because – you know, there's something to be said about dying peacefully, like in your in your sleep and not realizing it. But there's also there is something if you've lived long enough and you've done, you know, you had the kids, you get you you went after your dream, you did all that stuff, been just whatever, did did shit you wanted to do, and you, was the most recognizable human being on, on the, the face planet. of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's the only thing that Andre accomplished in his Wikipedia page. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah, he was, he was like bigger than Jordan. Like, literally bigger than Jordan. Well, I mean, they still have those fucking stickers, that Obey thing. That yeah. You see, that's his face that they have all the way around there. But I would love to go out like that and just be like, when you're like fucking 85, and they just go, all right, you have three months to live, and you're like, cool, and enough of your friends are left. That's the one thing, dude. If you live too long, you fucking outlive all your friends. I just saw my grandmother, God bless her, she just uh, she passed away, just shy of her 105th birthday. Whoa. Dude, she was on her third set of friends, like generation. Like she outlived. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, uh, you know, she played bridge, kept her mind sharp, and she had to just keep getting new friends. She outlived my grandfather by fucking 25 years. 25 fucking. They were married for 62 years. Whoa. I mean, granted, they they eloped when they were like, you know, 16, 17, like way back in the day. That's the only way you could back then. <laughs> you were, you were like, I think we're going to move in together for a while and yeah, then, no. see how it goes. We're going to get, we're going to get the dog, and then if we can do that, then you know, yeah, we'll yeah, see yeah. What no, happens. no, they, uh, no, it's like you want to, you want to do anything, you better be married. Exactly, that was exactly it. Yeah, so they, they eloped, but yeah, so they made because I remember going to their 60th anniversary, and that was like in the fucking 80s, dude. That was like 84, 85. My grandfather passed in 87, and then she lived all the way to 2012. But that's the thing, dude. Is you, you actually end up like. You, you outlive everybody. Somebody was telling me last night, I'm working with Todd Rex, who I got to get on this podcast. T-Rex. Todd, yeah, T-Rex is one of the funniest motherfuckers <laughs> ever. Is. Oh, that's that story I told on this podcast. You know, he always says, hey, what do you say to handsome? You know, he says that yeah, shit. Yeah. We, uh, we got pulled over because his windows were too tinted or something. This guy pulls us over. We're on the 101. The guy, you know, the guy's talking on the cops, talking on the loudspeaker. He goes, you know, uh, get off at the next exit. And that got us onto the 110. Now we're on, we're on, we're on our way to the Bray Improv. So now we're on the 110. We have to drive a quarter of a mile to get to the next fucking exit. We get off. We're literally like five miles away from where the fuck we were. We pull off. And for some reason, he has to stop under the fucking overpass. Because it's un- raining, right? So I don't know what. We're underneath the thing. And Todd's been silly all week. Never seen any anger. Now I'm the first time seeing him like <laughs> fucking angry, right? And this... Babyface cop comes walking up, and he does. Todd doesn't give a fuck. Puts the window down. As the cop comes walking up, license is ready. He goes, "Hey, what do you say, there, handsome <laughs> dude?" We just start fucking bursting out laughing, and the cop stood there and he kind of looked. I guess he watched Comedy Central, so he recognized someone in the car, and then he recognized Todd, and then he literally got on his fucking heels, like, "Oh shit, you guys are comics!" And we just started laughing, and he actually let us go. You know, I don't want to tell too much more because he ended up being like a really good shit about it. And I don't want to get the guy in trouble. And, uh, you know, um, but whatever. I'm working with He him. didn't find the heroin in the trunk is what you're saying. No. <laughs> I'm saying maybe a few weeks later somebody, you know, had a fucking moving violation and maybe he did something to make it go away. He was a good shit. Oh, right on. Yeah, well, there's uh, nothing like good cops. Well, thank God he was a good guy because I, even if the guy was like a fucking – 
old school, I'm going to shoot you and plant a gun on you. Taught, uh, T-Rex still would have said the same shit. Well, those, what do you say to handsome? That's the problem in Los Angeles. All on the West Coast. San Francisco's got some old school city cops. And they're cool. But, and they let me off the hook on a couple DUIs. But, I mean, like, old, old <laughs> Pittsburgh cops were the best for DUIs. Just like, yeah, go home. Like, you all right? Get out of here. I, I mean, there's not – black or white, old school city cops are the best because they don't give a shit. They've dealt with everything. So he's like the young, like straight out of the academy. We're in Desert Storm, Republican kids. or I need or, a collar. Or, 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 or the broads. They're the worst cops. But the old school men, <laughs> they don't give a shit. They're over it. I mean, I mean, the worst was one time I just we just did a party in our ass off in New York City. I'm coming back out of New York on like Interstate 80 or 280, whatever, going through Jersey to get to Pennsylvania. And I'm – you know when you're just in that morning, the sun comes up and you're still just gagged and just like drunk. And right. I it's like ten lanes of traffic. I didn't know I was actually in the eleventh lane, <laughs> <laughs> in the middle. Like I know I wasn't paying. I didn't know. And I'm like, why is this cop just sitting? It stopped in the middle of the freeway. Here it was the uh, center lane. What were you in? Like the breakdown lane? Yeah, like I was in the middle. Like whatever. Like right next to the wall. You mean like the medium? Strip? Yeah, the median strip lane. Yeah, the, that lane. So it's not grass. It is paved, but no, not it's paved. paved. Yeah, and okay. I'm thinking like, what's that cop doing sitting there? So then I pull over, and then I'm like, oh, I swerve out of the way, and he drives. Right, pulls you over. Pull, pulls me over, and at the time, my car, my window didn't work, so I had so like I went to open the door to get the. the I kicked it in. There's, there was like I think when I traded the car in, the boot print of the New Jersey State Trooper <laughs> was still in the car. Here it was his first Monday back. He'd been hit by a drunk driver. He was out eight months oh no but it was so early in the morning on a monday morning in rush hour he just couldn't believe that but i he was, was just, drunk yeah so he just so. yeah he, he's just like what's wrong with you and i'm like oh i didn't see it's, it's uh, you know strung out and he's like or whatever i said he's like oh you didn't know and i luckily had the pencil nothing like out of state plates like i'm the asshole yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have this stuff in our state. Yeah, Willie, I, Willie, I, I didn't know you couldn't drive on the fucking medium strip. Yeah. Pennsylvania, that's legal. We only got three lanes. You're like a big city officer. I don't really know. But that's that's why I don't drink and drive ever anymore because I've been pulled up. I got, literally got off. That's why? Not because you don't want to kill somebody? It's because you don't want to. Uh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to waste 10 grand. <laughs> <laughs> like, that should be the thing. How much did that last shot cost me? 10 grand. I mean, obviously, I don't want to hurt anybody, but uh, I got busted for that shit in '89, December of '89. It was, it was a dude. It was a layup. It was a layup. I was so fucking drunk, I couldn't even get my shit. To, I wasn't even nervous. That's how drunk I was. I was like, "Ah, right, you got me." But that's that's I stumbled through the. I blew a one nine. That's the problem I nowadays, I had the though. Two. I really that's did. the problem nowadays, though. It's like, hey, you know, if you're that fucked up, and like, I, like I said, I was like five or six times out of my mind, and then each time I was left the hook. That's why I was like, you know what? That's it. I can't do it anymore. Right, right. Did you ever get busted for it or no? No, I was always, I always like knew the cop or my boss knew the cop. It was always in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, it was five times legitimately like just off the hook, like, ah, yeah, I know you or blah, 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 or whatever, friend of a friend. You, you know, one time I was, I was coming home from a Christmas party. I was working in this warehouse. We were underage. And me and this other guy, Sarge was his nickname. We got we got absolutely fucking hammered. And we were driving his mother's like Pontiac Grand Am. You remember those things? Yeah, yeah. In the eighties, what they look like with that plastic shit. They're like the they, they were like the Chevy celebrity. Yeah, except for Pontiac. Yeah, by Pontiac, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
So we were driving right through the center of town, and uh, there was this Jeep sitting at the red, old school, CJ7, when they made them like out of fucking steel. And the guy stopped at the red light. I got a beer between my legs, you know, drinking, and the other guy's fucking, he's, we're hammered. We both see it. We see it. He starts to slow down. He just didn't press the brakes hard enough. We just sort of, oh, bam, slammed into it, right? And this shit had all, like, the brand-new safety on it, so the engine fucking drops down under the fucking... Just, the whole thing just crumpled up. I slammed my head off the visor. Beer just goes all over me, covered in fucking beer. We're right in the center of town in my hometown. Fucking cops are there. Like, and, and it was so funny. The, whole, the, the fucking Grand Am was totaled. There was, like, just a scratch on the back bumper of the CJ7. Like, I don't even think the fucking guy, like, he barely noticed who was sitting in, in the Jeep. He got out, right? Cops are there in like fucking two seconds. They show I'm literally covered in beer. And the cop, you know, standing there. He goes, you guys been drinking? We're like, no, no, I haven't drinking at all. Right, dude, fucking beer shower. So we stand down. He goes, yeah. He goes, this car reeks of alcohol. Get out of the car. We're like, fine. So I'm standing there on the sidewalk on the other side of the Jeep with this dude, Sarge, covered in fucking. I'm, I'm, I'm so drenched in beer. I'm actually cold because <laughs> it's like fucking like 30 degrees out. And I'm soaking wet. And I'm sitting there, like, and I already been through. I know I hadn't been through my shit yet. I hadn't got arrested yet. So I for drinking and driving. So I'm sitting there talking to Sarge, and I'm just going, dude, I don't give a fuck. If they arrest you, I'll go to court. I'll lie under oath. I don't give a fuck. I'll say you weren't drinking. I got you back. I'll fucking lie for you. Said all this shit. And then when I was done, I turned and faced the street, and there was a cop sitting in the cruiser, staring right at me. When I thought, heard the whole thing. To this day, I can't believe we, we, he didn't get fucking arrested. Yeah, they, he didn't get fucking. I don't know what happened. I have no fucking idea. I had the empty beer. There was beer all over the windshield, all <laughs> over me. Somehow we got out of it. He didn't get he didn't get busted. I remember my dad picked me up. And at that point, I was smart enough to shut the fuck up. And he picked me up. Dude, I mean, I'm like swaying in the wind. The car smashed. And I get in the car just covered in beer. <laughs> and he's just like, uh. How you doing? You all right? I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I didn't say shit. I think he wasn't mad at me because I wasn't driving and we just fucking drove home. But uh, but that was the 80s, everybody. That's that's what happened. Yeah, like, they let right you go. Well, the, and the, 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 dads the, are so cool about that stuff in general. It's like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't my car. It wasn't like, yeah, shit happens. Like, who, like what dad hasn't been the passenger in a drunk driving incident? No, my dad, my dad was in a, the Navy and he was in a frat. So he has <laughs> – and he did that shit in the 60s. So I remember when I finally got busted for drinking and driving uh, – my dad was totally cool. My mother was upset. And that, that was their dynamic. Like, little shit. My dad flipped out. Like, Christ, get up there and fucking clean up your room. But big shit. You got arrested for drinking and driving. He was just like, you all right? All right, cool. We'll fucking blah, blah, blah. My mother was the opposite. She let the little shit go and then the big stuff. I just remember, dude, I, my dad woke me up. Like, they bailed me out of fucking jail. And, uh... Take, I'm still fucking hammered. They fucking <laughs> takes me home. By the time I get home, it's like fucking maybe like four in the morning. I go to sleep. My dad wakes me up at seven in the morning. All right, three fucking hours later, I am like still just ham. I'm still going up. Yeah. That's how drunk I was. And he goes, I think you should go downstairs and uh, tell your mother what you did. You know, <laughs> that old school shit. So I fucking stumbled downstairs. My mother already knows. Hammered out of my mind. I'm like, I got arrested for uh, drinking and driving. And she had this fucking look of pain on her face. Dude, it was brutal. It was fucking brutal. And then I went back upstairs and I probably slept till like two. And uh, I only got 45 days though. 45 days is all you got back then. Now it's like fucking 90 days or like six months. 
We're not making light of this, by the way, people. We realize this is a serious crime, but oh yeah, please take a cab. I mean, and that's what gets me about the, when these athletes. Like, there's nothing I love better than being driven around. I mean, like me and Al Magical actually have a thing. Like, we went, we're, we have a race in our careers, and obviously right. he's way ahead. Uh, the first one to a Al driver Madrigal on the Daily Show yeah. and one of the uh, the greatest. founders of this company, the yep. podcast company, my, the record company that the CD Salute is coming out on. Yeah, uh, pl- please, by the way, everybody, go on Amazon. Down- can they download it anywhere? Yeah, they can download it from Amazon, I believe, and buy it from Amazon. It's on everything but iTunes, literally everything yeah. but iTunes. And when, and when Joe says these are his classic jokes, like the first time I, I worked with you, met you, was in the punchline in San Francisco. Molly had booked you, and she goes, you're gonna- I think you're going to like this guy. Dude, within five minutes, I was like, not only do I love his material, I fucking love this guy. You were like, every one of your jokes – especially in San Francisco, how liberal it is, would totally be offensive and you'd feel the crowd pull back and then you would just keep tagging the punchline with even more offensive shit and they just had to just give in. Like, this guy just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> it was, I, I just remember that one you did about the chick sucking dick for something. What the hell was that one? You would run from the side of the stage going, oh, oh that's timing sucking a dick. The difference between L.A. and San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> That's my differences. <laughs> I just yeah. remember it was so loud and it was so fucking graphic, and everybody was just like pulling back, and you just kept doing it, running from side to side, miming, sucking a dick to get your fucking career going. And it was just, it was so fucking over the top. It was, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. So I really hope that people are, are going to do the right thing. And you know something like. And and speaking of doing the right thing, dude, uh, we, uh, me and some of my friends, we put together a, a benefit for uh, the late great Patrice O'Neill in New York City. Tickets went on sale on uh, Thursday. And I know a lot of my podcast listeners are going to give me shit for not announcing it on Monday, but there's a reason why I waited till Thursday. Thursday was the one-year anniversary of Patrice's death, and I just feel like the stuff that Opie and Anthony did for him, like they they just had like there's just hours and hours of stuff of Patrice. Oh, the, and this show. Is ridiculously amazing. What's that? The benefit show. Oh, the show that yeah that we're doing. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. They, that show could be held in the Astrodome. Yeah, it's, it's that it's good. Great. I mean, it's yeah. really it's so it's it, sold out. It's sold out in, in, in twenty four hours, and um, you know, I, I was able to tell Patrice's mom, and it's the happiest I've heard her since all this whole fucking awful scenario started. So I want to thank everybody, O and A fans, and everybody who saw it on Twitter who went and bought tickets. Uh, you really fucking did a great thing by buying those tickets, and it's going to be a fucking awesome show. So, um, anyways, um, I don't know where the fuck to go f- with, with that. So, do another solid here. I know I didn't bring it up uh, about the O'Neill tickets, so if you want to fucking do a solid, Joey B, salute from the All Things Comedy Network. Dude, we're an hour and seven. This has been fucking effortless. You've been a great fucking guest. Thank there. you. We had so much fun. We had like hours. I forgot I was holding the microphone, actually. It's like we're so used to uh, bullshitting. Well, let, well, let's talk fucking Rose Bowl. I, well, uh, what, what do you think? Stanford, Wisconsin. I was working with Nate Craig last night, uh, one of the guys you played hockey with. He's, he's open oh, yeah. out there. He was, he was saying Wisconsin stinks. He's like, we stink. Well, they won like a thousand. I mean, you know, I, honestly, about the Rose Bowl, the least – the most the, the thing I hate the thing I like the least about the Rose Bowl is the game. <laughs> I actually it's I, like a drag. Oh, there's going to be a game. Oh, you know. I mean, it's like I, you have so much fun in the parking lot. I'm telling you, it's the best. And it's the parking lot, by the way, people, is a fucking golf course. You you owe it to yourself at some point in your life. 
If you've ever wanted to go to the Rose Bowl, I'm telling you, the tailgate is better. And do it up. Bring somebody who knows how to cook. Bring a bunch of booze. And you just sit in there. It, dude, it's, it's, it's the greatest fucking way ever to start the year. All those years of doing stand-up and going on stage where they gave the noisemakers out to the crowd before you go right. up. An absolute hell. And then, like, the fucking clock strikes, whatever. <laughs> and you got to do the countdown. Okay, you fucking animals. Ten, nine. All those years of doing that shit. And just, I don't even know how the fuck we ended up talking about it. We just bought it. It's the greatest fucking we went to that. We went to that amazing Tennessee-UCLA game when Tennessee was up like 20 to nothing. And we're like, we could leave at halftime. This game's over. We stayed. UCLA, UCLA made the comeback. And we're right. like, we got to go to the Rose Bowl. This place is amazing. Right. And then we had the ultimate experience uh, the first year. Second year, we brought along Jason Law. Jason Law had showed up. And if you don't know Jason Law, unfortunately, he's not the trademark batting stance guy he got he like it's like someone stole the formula and then he got screwed out of it but lawhead can do the big red machine batting stances reggie jackson he won't let me post the reggie jackson because he said he was out of shape when he did it oh he <laughs> dude his that reggie jackson thing he does this reggie jackson he, he goes when do you want to see him do you want to see him when he's younger or when he's older he does the hall he does the home run he hit in the fucking all-star game Dude, when he stands up there, right? I'm standing up now for people listening here, obviously. He fucking, when he does that thing where he, he brings the bat up and then fucking adjusts the glasses. Yeah. Dude, the second he did that, I was like, it's fucking Reggie. That, the fact he can do the whole big red machine. But to me, my favorite is Pete Rose's, uh, when, he, when he beat Ty Cobb. He does, he does him rounding first base, <laughs> the clap. The, yep. the, the the handshake. It's the, anyway. He showed up all the way to crying on his son's shoulder. Yes, he he does he does the whole awkwardness at first base. And how great is it when he does like I'm like and he does like Pete Rose's stance yes. there where he's sitting there crouching down and he literally does. What about when he did he did Willie McGee? He had his dying laughing doing Willie McGee. And when he does the swing, we're on the fucking ground laughing. And then his classic quote, he goes, he loved the high fastball, didn't he? It's like, <laughs> I don't know, Jay, did he? It looked just like him. So so he joined the crew. Then we have Andrew joined the crew. Now, it's, yep. this is the fifth-year anniversary. Andrew this is it, yeah. This is the fifth-year anniversary. So it's gonna what be- do you think? you think Stanford's just going to come in and pound him? Uh, I think Stanford has a better team. But you never you know. They take like a month off. It's like when you, yeah. it's like when you don't go on stage for a month. You never really know. Right. Even though you know your jokes, you don't really. Stanford like, Stanford should burn those uniforms they played in uh, last week. That flat black helmet. That was just fucking. Oh, it, the black on black? Yeah. Was that, just, was that designed by Jay-Z? It was terrible. Can, can no, you, no Jay- because if Jay-Z did it, it would have been the shit. Have you seen the fucking Barclays Center? You know how annoying that is as a Celtics fan? We got 17 fucking banners. We just went down to Home Depot, bought a bunch of cinder blocks, and built a fucking square. <laughs> Dude, Barclays Center. The hardwood floor is supposed to be like a brownstone in Brooklyn. If you have a nice one and you redo it, right? And the luxury boxes are like mini fucking brownstones. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of not into cities with two teams. I, I just kind of like, you know what? Move somewhere else. Give, give somebody. I, I don't a team. get how you can be a lifelong Knicks fan, go through coming this close to winning the championship with Pat Riley and the finger. 